it is a privilege to be here this morning. Um, I represent, whenever you're ready with the slide, a, the Central Conference. Some of you may not even know what that is, so I'll, I'll tell you a little bit about it. The Central Conference is um, 107 churches in five different states that are not divided but united in Christ. We, uh, Hinsdale happens to be one of those 107 churches, and I'm here because Hinsdale has been an incredible partner of the Central Conference. So let me start by saying thank you. Thank you very much for believing in, the, in what we do. And what is it that we do? Well, as the superintendent, uh, my job is to come into churches with uh, care, crisis and conflict uh, intervention, and also discipline. Uh, when needed. So I wanted to come here before any of those things happened here and, uh, uh, and, and come in not as the angel of death, but, you know, as the angel of light. So, um, and I want you to know this is special, especially significant because Lars is a dear friend, so I've been looking forward to coming here for a long time. And uh, the way I met him when he was a young man, very young man, even younger than now, uh, and uh, his dad and I uh, started leading worship at Chick. I don't know if you remember, uh, uh, Bob Strongberg used to be the, the main leader at Chick, and he was one of the people that said, I'll teach you what I know, and he was very kind and, and very loving to me, so I'm always going to be grateful for him, and of course, to Lars, who was this teenager that, you know, we'll talk about it some, you know, some other time, some other things <laughs> about that. Uh, but let me tell you what the mission of the Central Conference is now, because some people may even ask you, why do we support the Central Conference? What is it that they do for us? I mean, you know, as great Americans, we always want to, you know, uh, you know what, what our, our bucks are going for, right? So what, the mission of our conference is to plant churches. We know that the most uh, strategic and efficient way of planting churches, uh, of uh, reaching people, is to plant new churches in new areas. We also strengthen churches. The, actually, the majority of our budget has gone to walking with churches that are already established, people that, uh, churches that need help, and there are some churches that are struggling, and we should definitely include those in our prayers. And the last one is to connect churches. We are not an independent church. We are part of a denomination, the Evangelical Covenant Church, and we have the privilege of serving with five initiatives that your pastor, I'm sure, has mentioned to you, and uh, too many for me. To, I don't have enough time to go into them. But uh, we are also, a, a, the mission, a, the vision of our conference uh, is, uh, staff is to not only connect people, a, invite them to participate, and of course, ask them to contribute so that we continue, can continue to do our work. Now, uh, we have a goal of planting 20 new churches in the next four years. And we haven't planted 20 churches in the last 10 years. And the reason that, I, that we have this goal is because we believe God is doing something new in the Central Conference. And uh, I want you to know, we have no money to do this. So, uh, some of you, so how are we going to do that? Well, we'll let God take care of that. Because my, I don't know about your God, my God is very rich. My God, you know, I always mess up the, the, the scripture. He owns a thousand cattle on three hills, something like that, right? You know what that scripture is. But, um, so... Hinsdale Covenant Church, when you, how many of you have heard the story of Philip before? How many of you have heard that? Now, I have to tell you, I love this story, and every time I read this story, 
I, I, I find something new. I don't know if it happens to you, but sometimes I read the Bible very, uh, very superficially. And I don't always get what it, it wants. So I want to share with you a couple of things that, that I really love about the scripture. First of all, Philip was, was a cool man. He was the evangelist. He loved reaching people for Christ. He was the person that would share his story everywhere he went. And basically that's what the gospel is. Knowing that God has done something so wonderful in us that we have nothing but a reaction to share our story with other people. That's basically what the gospel is. God has been good to me. Let me tell you what he has done in my life. But the problem is, as we grow in comfort, especially as, as Americans as we are, we don't always share our story. And my hope is that you, we learn a little bit from Philip. Philip is enjoying this revival in Samaria. And I don't know about you, I love revivals. I love it when God moves in people. Last week you were praying for healing, right? God moved in a powerful way. It's not something that we always practice, but we love it when God is in the midst, when we feel his presence. And, and he was in this revival where, where demon-possessed people were being released and sick people are being healed. And uh, the spirit in the middle of that tells Philip, Philip, I need you somewhere else. Somewhere bigger, Lord? No. You're going to go to the desert road. You're going to go to the wilderness. Why would we go there? Let me stay where the revival is. And I don't know about you. Sometimes when God prompts me to do things, as a good American, I always want to know how I'm, go how I'm getting there, where I'm going, how long I'm going to be there, and if there's a ride back. I always want to know details. and Someone should be saying amen, if not I or something, right? <laughs> But the Spirit tells you to go in the middle of nope, the and it tells you, don't preach. What do you mean? You're killing an evangelist that can't preach. You, 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 this is not what gives us life, to be quiet and just listen. So he stands in the desert road because he's setting him up for this incredible divine appointment. And this divine appointment is the Ethiopian eunuch. And I find it interesting that that was a very important part of the, his description. First of all, how did they know? Number two... Why is that important? Haven't you asked yourself that? So the Ethiopian, is, he's an important official. So this is a man that is a very important man for Ethiopia. And the Queen Kandaki, which is uh, Candace in English, uh, he, she trusts her with all the money. This is someone that's very important. It has been shown that he has gone to Israel or to Jerusalem to give his tithe or the tithe of the nation. So he's there on business. But guess, so when we see him on his, on his, on his way going home, we, we, because we have a limited experience with worship, we think he had a great time at church. We think that he had a chance to go into the church and enjoy the service. By the way, what an incredible piano uh, player. Wow, you're really blessed here, by the way. Uh, this is where you say amen because it's true. <laughs> so, uh, and, uh, you know, he didn't get to hear uh, a, a piano player like this. He was actually not allowed in the temple. One, Ethiopian, black. Two, not a Jew. Three, he did not have his sexual organs. He was not allowed in the temple. So they put this little thing outside called the court of the Gentiles, where if you remember Jesus having a problem with that before, because they're selling uh, animals there, where the only place for Gentiles to be, which is you, where you and I would be, by the way, in case you didn't know. And there's animals there, and they're being sold, and he smells. This man 
was on his way home from Jerusalem, but he's not rejoicing. We think that everyone has an amazing place of worship like this. We believe that people come into our temple and, and they always have a great time. But the fact is that the church of Jesus Christ is being persecuted everywhere in the world. And we're very privileged. And this is not so that we can feel bad about privilege, but where we can use it properly. And that we can use it and we can be grateful. Why is it so hard for us to be grateful about how, mu how many things God does in our lives? So, if you can't say amen, say aye or something. But hold your, you know, hold your, your back. So, God has this divine appointment. He says to, uh, uh, to our evangelist, go to the chariot. I would have had a problem with that. Because he says, run to the chariot. I run every day to the bathroom. That's about it. He, then not only did he run, he ran enough, long enough to read him, to heard him reading Isaiah, the prophet. And then uh, he, instead of saying, you know, what we would say if we go to a, another country to, uh, to do missions, I don't know if you remember Mighty Mouse. This is the, the generational disconnection uh, part of the service, where Mighty Mouse says, here I come to save the day, Right? We think that when we go to Colombia or when we go to Africa or when we go up there, that we're bringing Christ with us. My brothers and sisters, Christ has been there all along. I was expecting a stronger amen, but that's okay. <laughs> I'm going to get them to say amen. I'm going to break them or, or bring them with me, one of the two. Instead of saying this, which we think, because we don't know, we, our, 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 our mind is limited to our own experience, right? If we don't hear people's stories... We don't really get to understand other people's toil, other people's pain, other people's sorrow. In fact, if what you watch over the news about people getting killed because of the, the color of their skin or children being separated from their parents, whatever your politics may be, I don't really care about your politics. If it doesn't break us, you're not connected enough. You don't have people that it affects that too. You haven't heard their story. So he asked a discipleship question. How uh, do you understand what you're reading? And the guy goes, no. And he, I love his response. How can I unless someone, especially someone that's qualified, an evangelist, a member of Hinsdale Covenant Church, would tell me? Hmm. Interesting. What was he reading? He was reading the book of Isaiah, and I find this really interesting. It, we read this, but let me read that again. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before the shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. So the question that follows is what really gets me. He goes, who is this guy talking about? Is he talking about himself or someone else? Who is this? I want to know who this is. Do you want to know who this is? Well, as Christians, we've been at church for 2,000 years. We jumped to Jesus, but this is actually the suffering servant originally is Israel. But when Jesus Christ came, he became the incarnation of this scripture, didn't he? Because that's totally Jesus. I would like to argue today that that day 
our brother from Ethiopia became that scripture too. Look at it. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter. At 8 to 10 years old, before puberty hit, these kids would, be, would come to the, temp, to, the, to the palace, be castrated in order that he can, they can work in the service of the queen. They did not choose this. There was no sense of justice. As a sheep, they did not open his mouth. He was deprived of justice. Justice comes out a lot in the scripture, doesn't it? Who can speak of his descendants? He will never have kids. I don't know about you. Kids happen to be one of the biggest blessings in my life most of the time. <laughs> Someone should be saying amen. I know you want to. <laughs> Some of you are being too kind now. For his life was taken from the earth. Guess what? There's no more descendants after he's gone. We get, we get to hear the story. We get to hear the story. And this is the problem. Sometimes we don't really get the whole story. I love this part where it says, as they travel, they came to some water. And uh, Philip says, why shouldn't I be baptized? What would Hinsdale Covenant Church have said? Did you go to membership class yet? Have you given your tithe? Do you know the covenant affirmations? I don't know if we're that into it, right? But yeah, you know what I mean, right? How long have you been a, a, a believer? Are you even a believer? Philip says, I guess nothing. But there's a serious problem here that the scripture doesn't say. This is not summertime. Do you follow Chicago? This is not summertime. So you're going to go in the cold water because this guy wants to get baptized in the middle of nowhere. What this tells me is that when we walk with people, it costs us something. This is why evangelism is so difficult. If we said, today we're going to not meet at the church, we're going to go out door-to-door -door knocking, and we're going to invite people to the church instead. How many of you would have been so excited about that? <laughs> not many of us, right? But, you know, we are called to tell our story. You are an expert in your story. You have a PhD in your own story. You know what God has done in your life, and you can tell it better than anybody else. Isn't that wonderful? So why are we keeping this great story to ourselves? Hinsdale should have six services on Sunday. Sorry, Lance. <laughs> All the staff is going, hey, Pato, orale. Hey, hey, hey orale. Philip baptized them. So it takes effort for us to reach people because it's not just bringing them to a decision. It's to walk with them. I don't know about you. When, when they asked Jesus, what is the greatest commandment? He said, we love God, right? Heart, mind, strength, everything else. And I wish he would have stayed there. How about you? Because the other part kind of stinks. What's the other part? I forget. Love. And what are we doing now? Well, who is my neighbor? Isn't that what we're asking? Some people are worth less of our love because we don't agree with them. Because they don't look like us. Because they may not have the resources that we have or the education. My neighbor's my neighbor. And somebody did ask him that, and Jesus kind of told him a little story, right? 
Philip was taken away by Holy Spirit Airlines. <laughs> I know. But look at what happens in the end. He went on his way, how? Rejoicing. He wasn't doing that before. He was, so what I'm here to tell you today is that you need to listen to the story. And there's power in people's stories. If there's someone that you deeply disagree with, I challenge you to sit with them over dinner or over coffee if you don't want to make it that long. And listen to the story. If there are stories on the news that don't hurt you, I challenge you to find someone that represents that story and listen to their story. But that's not where it ends. We listen, but we also get to tell our story. Your story is important here too because this, God has been around. God has done a miracle in your life. You are a new creation, Hinsdale Covenant Church. Only one amen. Wow, that's, we need to evangelize again. And the last part is there is power in our story. I have the privilege of being the first Latino superintendent in the history of the Evangelical Covenant Church. I am, what a wonderful thing, right? But I don't want to be the last one. <laughs> and it's not a tokenism kind of thing. Well, well, we need a Hispanic and we need a woman and we need an African-American and we need that. It is, it's actually, I did not apply for this job. I did not want to move to Chicago. I am from Chicago. I was living in San Diego. You know it's a call from God if you move from San Diego to Chicago, right? <laughs> Your prayers are welcome. <laughs> there is power in their story. I want to say so many things, but this 17 minutes is just too short, Pastor Lars. Let's focus on the revival. Not on the revival, but on the people and the need. Sometimes we're so focused on the church that we forget the communities out there. The church is not just for you, holy ones. The church is for the sick. This is a hospital, not a museum. Uh-huh. No one said amen. Bye. Okay. Don't, don't get me started preaching in Spanish. I'll preach too. Be available to people. Share your story sparingly. Let me tell you what God has done in my life. You know what's the best advice you can tell people? When, some, because we are not trained to, to, to walk with people sometimes. If someone loses a, 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 a loved one, like Senator John McCain passed away yesterday, right? I, I'm, I, I read some of these things they put on Facebook. Now there's an angel in heaven. I mean, how, how, how much consolation is that for the family? Sometimes just being there is, is enough. But what you can do is say, let me tell you what happened when I lost someone. God was there with me. I was never alone. By the way, you will suffer in this earth. You will have trials and tribulations, the scriptures say, in case that's not a popular scripture for you. But God did promise that he will always, he will never leave you and he will never forsake you. We can take that to the bank. So let, let the Spirit of God lead you. What a wonderful concept. Let the Spirit of God lead you. Huh. Christians that are actually led by the Holy Spirit, what is this? Travel along with people, not just for a quick decision. Ask inviting and connecting questions. And be flexible to the need. I love this story because I have never seen some of these things. I've never seen how he was connected 
to even the scripture. I had never seen that he didn't go home rejoicing until after he met our evangelist. But evangelism is not about an event. It's a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle of people that are grateful. It's a lifestyle of people that have experienced God's mercy on their life. God cares about your pain, God's people. And God cares about the way that we minister in the middle of that pain to other people. I finish with this. In this Me Too movement, I've had, you know, I'm Latino, I'm, I'm a warm guy, I love hugs, but I've kind of had to pull away from that, right? Because, you know, so my brothers and sisters don't do that, okay? So, uh, a, but I was in the airport and I was typing a letter of recommendation for a pastor. And this lady next to me was screaming on the phone. And, and I'm like, oh, you, you know how we get so self-righteous, right? Nobody here? Am I the only sinner here this morning? Okay. <laughs> and and I'm, I'm, I'm there and I'm trying to type the letter. I got to move and I, and I looked for any other place. There was no other place to move. And this lady was just screaming on the phone. And then I finally I was saying, okay, so what, what is this lady screaming about? So she's talking to her brother who called her to say goodbye because he was planning to kill himself. So she hangs up with him. She's just completely devastated, calls her father, who she had not talked to for many years, 10 years, I think. And she says, Dad, you and I have a lot to talk about, but before we do that, can you go please check on your son? I think he wants to kill himself. And then when she hangs up with him, she just bawls desperately. What we are trained to give people their space in this kind of situation. Step away and just give them their space bubble, right? Let them have their moment. But it's, you know, there's a tugging of the spirit sometimes in our hearts, right? Where I came and I put my hand on her. I know I'm not supposed to do that. I put my hand on her shoulder and I said, I'm a pastor. I overheard your conversation. Can I pray for you? And can we pray for you, brother? And she jumped in my arms. <laughs> I wasn't expecting that part. <laughs> and she left uh, talking of her appreciation right here because she was crying the whole time. But how, imagine that God loved that woman so much. She sent the superintendent of the central conference <laughs> for her. That's not a big deal, by the way. But someone that's busy, for sure. How did God know? Because he knows. Tell your story, God's people. Invite people to come to church. This is the time. There's no better time than now. And Pastor Simon, I'm so happy for your family. Man, you, have a, you are Latino. That's a long family. That's a lot of family. And they're good looking, too. Because you will be able to tell your story next Sunday, aren't you? Make sure you come next Sunday. Because he will tell part of his story, and you need to know this story. So can I pray for us? And my prayer today would be that we are open to holy appointments this week. That we may open our eyes. Go like this for me, please. Open up your eyes for me with as much in your makeup. I'm trying not to ruin my mascara here. Open up your eyes. Go like this and just look around for a little bit. Thank you for... Some of you don't want to do that. That's okay. <laughs> That's between you and the Holy Spirit. And then, and then also open up your ears. Go hold it. Open up your ears. Because God is going to set holy appointments for you this week. Will you be ready? Hensdale Covenant Church. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for being a God 
who has told us the story of Jesus Christ. Good news is always about Jesus Christ. We thank you for your Holy Spirit. We thank you for leading us to people. Father, I know that you want to reach more people here in Hinsdale and the surrounding communities. There's people that, are, that have a hole in their heart because they do not have you. Would you use us, please? We humbly ask that we may go and serve you well. We pray these things in the name of Jesus and God's people say, Amen. Amen.